I welcome you to the Holistic Health Show. I'm Dr. Carl O'Helvey, your host. My guest today is Dr. Laszlo Boros, who is currently a professor of pediatrics at UCLA and the co-director of the Stable Isotope Research Laboratory at the Los Angeles Biomedical Research Institute at the Harbor UCLA Medical Center with a primary focus on studying cancer cell metabolism with the use of specifically designed 13C glucose tracer and mass spectroscope. Born and educated in Hungary, Dr. Boros' medical background includes three years as gastroenterology and pancreatology, focusing on chronic pancreatitis and pancreatic cancer. He spent two years as a visiting scholar in Essen, Germany, studying various animal models of chronic pancreatitis. In 1990, he moved to Columbus, Ohio, where he joined the history-making laboratory of Dr. Zollinger and Ellis, who described hormonal regulatory mechanisms involved in pancreatic cancer growth with a primary emphasis on diagnosis and treatment. In 1995, he became the lead investigator to clinically apply stable isotope technology to study diabetes and cancer growth in vivo and in animal models at UCLA. He is an expert in using metabolic profiling, mitochondrial, nasomechanisms to further understanding of particular aggressive cancers. Dr. Boros also participated in research projects targeting population metabolic disorders such as diabetes and obesity and is involved in discovering the underlying mechanism of rare metabolic disorders arriving from genetic mutations affecting vitamin transport. Dr. Boros is an internationally proclaimed expert of metabolic water biochemistry as well as deuterium-mediated kinetic isotope effects in health and disease. Dr. Boros is the recipient of the C. Williams Hall Outstanding Publication Award from the Academy of Surgical Research of the United States in 1997, the Richard E. Weitzman Memorial Research Award from the University of California in 2001, the Excellence in Clinical Research Award from the General Clinical Research Center at the Harvard UCLA Medical Center in 2004, the Public Health Impact Investigator Award of the United States Food and Drug Administration in 2011, and received a Best Publications Award from the Metabolomic Society and Springer Nature Publishers in 2014. Dr. Borough serves as Chief Scientist at the Center for Deuterium Depletion, the world's first organization to use deuterium and tracer technologies in a research clinical setting to describe and follow the health status of patients with metabolic disorders such as cancer, diabetes, and autoimmune disease. His full vita can be viewed at https colon forward slash forward slash goo colon gl forward slash forward slash ksuu4r. I welcome you to the Holistic Health Show, Dr. Boris, and I look forward to hearing about deuterium depletion. Now, can you tell me about your background as a scientist and what led you to study human metabolism? Uh, yes, indeed. Um, thank you so much for inviting me to the show. Um, I am a physician by training, uh, and I finished medical school in 1987. After that, I went to Ohio State where I was studying um, 
cancer and chronic inflammation that relates to uh, pancreatitis or pancreatic cancer. And then I moved to California in 1987, um, 1997, better to say, mm-hmm. uh, when I where I joined uh, faculty, and um, I have been um, studying metabolism. Uh, with great details, including cancer and diabetes and obesity. These are very common population diseases, and we used a particular tracer, um, which is glucose molecule, and we used uh, high sophisticated uh, capacity um, um, laboratory equipment to determine uh, specific biochemical reactions, for example, in cancer cells. Mm -hmm. And... um, in recent years, I have been teaching uh, faculty and I've, I've been writing papers uh, and reviews, and also I've been reviewing papers and, and grant proposals that deal with particular metabolic uh, fingerprints and particular metabolic um, properties that tumor cells have. And uh, we have learned about their metabolism um, and how it responds to uh, deuterium and what methods and what ways there are to keep our body away from deuterium and let tumor cells die practically based on their uh, disruption of loading up on deuterium. Mm-hmm. And because of these research efforts, um, now we are suggesting this uh, method, protocol, through diet and water consumption to deplete deuterium in our entire body to make uh, tumor cells much, much harder to survive, nevertheless to say proliferate and uh, cause uh, advanced disease. Mm-hmm. And the diet, what do you recommend as the diet that you would use along with this? Our um, basic protocol relates to a diet type called ketogenic diet, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which is mostly uh, fat-based. Mm-hmm. It's um, uh, 80% or higher of our diet is composed of uh, fat, animal fat, and plant fat from natural sources. And usually these uh, diets, when we oxidize them, when we use them in our cells, they produce a type of water in our cells that are low in this uh, heavy isotope of hydrogen, uh, which we call deuterium. Mm-hmm. That's interesting because several of the cancer doctors that I know are using the ketogenic diet. And the reason I think most of them are using it is because it's very low on carbohydrate. Uh, yes, yes, indeed. That the definition of ketogenic diet, uh, mm-hmm. most energy is produced or supplied in the form of fatty acids, and it has very low amounts of this heavy hydrogen isotope, which you need to imagine more like a football on a ping-pong table. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so you can't really play metabolism very efficiently if you have too many of these deuterium Mm -hmm. uh, attached to your food. And uh, carbohydrates are known to have uh, a lot higher, from the biology point of view, a lot higher uh, deuterium than fatty acids do. Mm -hmm. If they are natural source, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, it and fatty acid oxidation or fatty diets have some other clear benefit compared to carbohydrate diets, but combining the two, uh, giving providing high fat low deuterium diet, it makes the metabolism to play their everyday game, um, bouncing hydrogens from um, enzymes, enzyme proteins to enzyme protein, and rotating and powering these little, very tiny proteins which actually spin in our cells and in our mitochondria to produce energy or ATP with low deuterium food, with uh, protons or hydrogens, these processes go a lot more uh, in a smooth fashion. Mm -hmm. That makes a lot of sense. When I had lung cancer 44 years ago, they put me on a vegan diet, but I couldn't eat the high-carb fruits, but I could have fruit. And so it was mainly fruit, vegetables, nuts, minus peanuts because they're high protein, and some grain, but not a lot of grain. And that seemed to work with 
the laetrile, which is what I used as the main cancer killer. And it took about two years, but I never had a relapse from that. So that worked for me with the laetrile, but I think the ketogenic makes sense also because of the cancer cells being is it anaerobic? I never remember if it's aerobic or anaerobic. Anaerobic and uh, they are, yeah, indeed they they like to use sugar or carbohydrates for mm. their energy metabolism. Right, right. And doesn't that relate to their being? They thrive in an environment without oxygen, which requires more of the carbohydrate than in the normal cells that thrive in an environment with oxygen. Is that not part of it. Well, um, uh, tumor cells would use anaerobic metabolism even if there's oxygen around. Oh, do they? And this is what mm-hmm. we know as the Warburg effect. They they produce lactic acid in a very inefficient way from glucose, um, even when there is plenty of oxygen. Obviously, they survive in oxygen deprived. Um, environment simply because of this metabolic mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, functionality that they use, which we know the VARB, it, it, it's a very famous um, uh, scientific principle that cancer cells or metabolic fingerprint that is called the Warburg effect. It's, it's practically um, the, the use of carbohydrates to produce, break them down partially, mm-hmm. only produce very little energy. Mm-hmm. But using a lot of glucose or a lot of carbohydrate, after all, they can produce sufficient energy to survive and to divide. And you're right, you're correct. In the presence or in the absence of oxygen, they are able to survive because they don't depend on it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Great. Then, Dr. Boros, what does the average person need to understand about the biochemistry of deuterium and how it impacts our mitochondria and our health? Yes, yeah, so um, as I was describing this in, in lay terms, mm-hmm. um, our, our life depends on the movement of these uh, very small, actually the smallest atoms called hydrogens, and they can ride on top of oxygen, and that makes water, um, they, that makes them be, being part of water, or they can actually ride on carbons, carbons, and that makes organic uh, molecules. Mm-hmm. Um, our body, our cells, our mitochondria, which you have mentioned, those are very small uh, power plants in our cells. They produce water from hydrogen uh, coming from food and from oxygen that we breathe in. So the, the basic information and the knowledge I'd like to emphasize here is just to know that every human being is producing water and this is practically what is necessary for life. This is called metabolic water because we produce it from oxygen that we breathe in and from hydrogen that comes from food. Uh, what happens to this water depends on what our cells are uh, prioritizing, what, what our cells are doing. Uh, we can use this water to recycle so-called Krebs cycle or DC mm-hmm. cycle in mm-hmm. mitochondria. These are just um, biochemical reactions that recycle water and over and over use the hydrogen, the protons that, that, that they can harvest from water in the intermembrane space called the matrix of the mitochondria. Uh, it's like an engine, uh, the burning uh, part of the engine, meaning that where we burn gasoline, we pretty much do the same with oxygen. We use the uh, gasoline's hydrogen, which is attached to carbon, to produce energy and movement. And in a, in a very controlled fashion, this is exactly, from the biochemistry point of view, is what our cells are doing. So the water that you see dripping down from your exhaust pipe when you look at your car running in front of the garage uh, while you're opening the garage door is practically the metabolic water of your engine. And we produce the same metabolic water in our mitochondria, mm-hmm. but we recycle it. Mm-hmm. And um, depending on... Uh, what we eat, this water can be totally free of deuterium um, because our cells are trying to filter out deuterium uh, using various mechanisms. And interestingly, if you eat low deuterium ketogenic uh, food, then your cells have a very easy task of depleting deuterium 
efficiently, and that will result in a very smooth um, uh, running of your your mitochondrial nanomotors, which are actually little small proteins that spin uh, very much the same way as your as your engine would spin a um, crankshaft or or would spin tires to actually make uh, a distance or run a distance, and we use actually the energy of oxygen and hydrogen making water to act to to generate this this ability to to move mm-hmm. so from the basic biochemistry point of view it's water production and hydrogen the role of hydrogen in this process that makes the tube so important mm-hmm. because if you use a hydrogen which is twice as heavy uh, uh, in its atomic formula it looks a like a proton and a neutron together that makes it twice as heavy as hydrogen or proton, which is which only has one proton. Um, it actually makes um, your engine parts and your proteins much heavier. It's like twice the weight. It's like a heavy backpack. Mm-hmm. Um, so practically you can't move as fast and you can't move molecules around and you can't burn and you can't rotate proteins if you have too many heavy hydrogen or deuterium in your system. Mm-hmm. You and Dr. Gabor Somalia and Dr. Q. Collins have been in the field of deuterium and cancer research collectively for over 100 years, and you're considered the foremost expert on its toxic effect. What is the difference between your approach and that of biohackers and bloggers when it comes to understanding our biology? Um. We do academic research and we publish peer-reviewed papers. Um, we we publish in a very sophisticated, very detailed, and scientifically very accurate manner, meaning that our papers are reviewed by other experts in the field and they are published only if they meet and merit all scientific requirements. We don't really use or we don't really produce blogs that are not scientifically mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. accurate and valid. Mm-hmm. to the best of, of the field, of the current field. So if you look at my um, background and if you look at Dr. Gabo Shomya's background and if you look at Dr. Uh, Q. Collins' background, we all have published papers uh, separate and together. I actually published many papers, close to 100 mm-hmm. peer-reviewed papers in the medical literature, and those are all cited um, many times. And we publish in a in a format which is open access, meaning that everybody can read our papers mm-hmm. without charge. Most of our papers, the most recent papers, um, obviously all the papers that we published in the film field of the team depletion, those are all freely available to everybody. And we accept we accept comments and we answer comments or critiques. Um if there are there is any, there's not many. Um we have to deal with in the scientific literature actually there's none. But um related to deuterium mm-hmm. or deuterium depletion. But uh, we, we actually offer our peer-reviewed scientific papers for the public to read, and they blog around them, they blog with them, and they use the information that we publish uh, to um, make their case uh, more sophisticated, whatever field they use in biochemistry or in general medicine. But practically, our process is a very tight um very um, um, scientifically accurate uh, publishing method uh, and scientific study method that are uh, freely available. We do blogs that use our papers and cite our papers because uh, that's the purpose of these scientific publications, and we stick to this 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 method to actually strengthen and and make our case more widely available, which are scientifically reviewed by experts in the field. Mm-hmm. And they are useful for making uh, predictions of health and, and strength and so on. You have talked some about it, but could you then sort of summarize what is deuterium depletion and what methods can be used to deplete deuterium? Deuterium is, is this heavy um, hydrogen isotope. It's like a football on the ping pong table that is really too heavy to to play metabolism with, and it will break proteins and it would break moving parts in our cells that is really not desired to maintain health or to prevent disease. And um, the tumor depletion is a 
heart-related or medical process when you keep away from deuterium by eating food that is low in deuterium, um, and those are the the natural fats mostly, and drink deuterium-depleted water, which is um, um, available in various forms. But our goal is to supply your body with a low deuterium nutritional uh, protocol, including food and water. In the meantime, you can also enhance your body's ability to uh, produce deuterium depleted water from low deuterium food by using a certain breathing technique. Uh, use a mask which recycles some of your own breath and vapor and also increases somewhat uh, carbon dioxide partial pressure, which opens arteries and make your um, circulation somewhat more um, uh, washy-washy, out of tissues, and, and, and more supply with oxygen. Uh, practically, oxygen is needed for metabolic water production or deuterium depletion. And in the meantime, uh, we measure deuterium from saliva, breath, and urine to see how accomplished you are or how efficient you are in uh, in depleting deuterium in your body and mm-hmm. in your cells because mm-hmm. there are laboratory methods, there are laboratory tests that we use and this is what our deuterium depletion centers or centers for deuterium depletion uh, do. Um, we measure using laboratory techniques and we recommend protocols that includes uh, food and water that is low in deuterium and will ensure your body is um, operating at an optimal um, rate of energy metabolism and there's less harm that you can do to our to your cells proteins and moving parts uh, caused by deuterium. Can you tell at this point in your research how long it takes with the deuterium depleted water and the ketogenic diet how long it would take an individual to overcome cancer? Uh, <clears throat> We believe that if you're around or below 130 ppm parts per million, parts per million means that how many deuterium there are in a million hydrogen atoms, and uh, usually in the environment is above 145 parts per million, which is really not desired. Mm -hmm. That includes drinking water and, unfortunately, industrial uh, food items that are processed by the the food industry. That includes GMO products uh, Mm -hmm. in the U.S., Mm -hmm. unfortunately, which are prohibited in Europe for very good reasons. But um, 130 ppm, so about 20 ppm lower Mm-hmm. Um, that we currently have in our environment, that's our optimal biological range. That's our ap- optimal gasoline. That's that's mm-hmm. our highest grade uh, gasoline that we can burn in our cells without causing any harm. And anything below 130 parts per million in uh, 125 is the most uh, desired range. Uh, anything below 125 ppm mm-hmm. Uh, regarding food and water should supply enough preventive uh, measures. Um, unfortunately, if somebody has cancer, deuterium depletion may have to be more thorough, um, more uh, deep, uh, just let's put it this way. Um, it has to be maybe 105 mm-hmm. or even below ppm to deplete deuterium very rapidly from from your from your cells. Mm-hmm. Uh, water very low in deuterium is not necessarily desired simply because your food and water uh, in com- combination will yield a certain uh, cellular phenotype with low deuterium. And unfortunately, water on its own does not get directly in the inner part of your cells. And um, the, the two approaches have to be combined um, in the range of uh, one 20 ppm and maybe 85 ppm mm-hmm. uh, to actually give your body a good chance to deplete deuterium very efficiently and quick as possible, especially if you have disease. Mm-hmm. And are there doctors that practice using this protocol? Uh, we do have several clinics um, in 
in the U- U- United States. Uh, those are mostly integrative mm-hmm. uh, medical clinics. Mm-hmm. They use traditional um, mm-hmm. medicine approaches, natural healing uh, protocols, and also currently standardized medical procedures. They integrate the two uh, to provide better um, understanding and better approaches mm-hmm. to achieve a certain goal when it comes to preventing or healing uh, medical conditions. Mm-hmm. Um, there are several of those um, approaches in clinics and doctors uh, abroad, mm-hmm. um, and some, even I would say, even some biohackers now are looking at uh, deuterium depletion as a good way of enhancing their protocols, because now it seems that more and more clinicians and more and more biohackers uh, start understanding how important deuterium depletion is, and we provide the, uh, the academically published peer-reviewed papers to um spread this type of information and knowledge in the medical community, or sometimes the patients come with information that they gather from mm-hmm. our papers or from the internet, and they request and ask the doctors to review certain material. And um, after a conversation, they might be able to, they may be able to work out a protocol that also includes the team depletion for various, for various reasons. Mm-hmm. And is this something that a person could use at home, or do they need the medical direction, supervision, testing, etc.? Um, we believe that for preventive matters, um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. people might be able to um, learn some important information from from our papers or from from the internet. Yet, uh, since this is again a very basic principle. Mm-hmm. Um, depleting deuterium and actually determining deuterium uh, simply how far below they have to go based on their current deuterium levels. We always recommend um, in, in in every case that they consult their physicians. Mm-hmm. Um, they uh, review material um, together and they decide together uh, what's the best approach. Um, we do... Um, um, emphasize that uh, measuring deuterium is a very important health-related issue. It's like measuring potassium or measuring mm-hmm. blood mm-hmm. glucose. I would assume uh, deuterium is even more important with some respect, and it, it is becoming more and more Im- important um, in some clinics and, and some medical procedures, um, not broadly used yet, uh, but we are hopefully by um, educating, publishing, and interacting with physicians and scientists, uh, in particular biochemists, but clinical medicine is just as important, uh, we might be able to, to achieve a much clearer understanding and a, and a much more useful uh, medical approach to understand and incorporate deuterium depletion in practically every medical procedure. Mm-hmm. Great, good. Then, can you tell us about the work you're doing in the clinic at the Center for Deuterium Pletion and what resources are available for people interested in testing and managing their deuterium levels? Sure. So, our website is uh, ddcenters.com, and uh, we measure deuterium from, most commonly, we measure deuterium from breath, saliva, and urine. And uh, we have a kit that can be sent to to the house or to the place where the or the medical office where uh, these samples can be obtained, and then we report the measurements uh, back to the physicians and and the patients, obviously. And then uh, we have um, certain uh, uh, ketogenic uh, supplements that uh, start this deuterium depleting um, health lifestyle. It's not just a medical procedure. It's more like a lifestyle where mm-hmm. we, we can actually mm-hmm. apply this in and incorporate this into a, a, almost like every day and every minute function because we are using this. We are very soon will have a, um, a Fitbit type of approach where we can actually determine based on the food and based on the exercise pattern any individual is exposed to um, what their expected deuterium level may be based on the level from where they are starting out and how soon, how fast they can achieve a certain deuterium 
level or better to say a certain range which is more a desire for 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 their health so using the current days of of, of informatics using analytical methods for measuring deuterium and using databases from the US Department of Agriculture where food and 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 composition of food is clearly and very specifically described for almost almost for all major food products that are in um in um uh, in in the United States uh, and elsewhere in 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 uh, on our planet, we can uh, we can use this. We can combine these databases and we can use these personal um, uh, health parameters and information to generate the type of knowledge that is related to the efficacy and uh, the the time that is needed for depleting deuterium to a certain level in any individual. Now, a question that would come up is, would the individual or the physician buy equipment that would deplete, do the deuterium depletion, or do they buy the water that has been depleted? Yes, they buy the water that has been depleted using pharmaceutical procedures, because mm-hmm. um, um you 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 can deplete the team, but you don't really know how to control the process. And mm-hmm. most often, the mistake the mistake is that uh, patients or physicians believe that a you know simple boiling of water and distilling water may be sufficient, and those are actually not. Mm-hmm. And there are many various methods out there which claim to deplete the team but they are not very efficacious. And depleting deuterium only a few percent may not be very efficient in Mm -hmm. improving health and may not be effective at all. Even though some claim deuterium depleted, they are not depleted enough to to actually support health and and medically be desired, uh, you know, Mm -hmm. if deuterium Mm -hmm. depletion of a certain dramatic scale is 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 necessary to improve certain health conditions um we use pharmaceutical towers pharmaceutical grade deuterium depletion protocols those are approved by uh the european pharmaceutical agencies and they are carried out uh during pharmaceutical operations and that guarantees uh that the the range uh and the specific deuterium content of water and food are precisely determined and the patient is getting what they need to be getting um, to deplete the tomb efficiently and, and rapidly and that can be used also by physicians um, to to follow up with patients and how efficiently the team will be depleted for for certain curative or certain uh, therapeutic approaches. Mm-hmm. Can you tell us a little about how much this would cost an individual for the water only if they decided to do this? Um, so if if they go on a deuterium depleted mm-hmm. uh, protocol based on drinking water, um, that I'm not sure exactly because I'm not involved in pricing oh, or uh-huh. marketing. Oh, oh, okay. uh, Dr. Okay. Q might be more... Mm-hmm. Um, appropriate to ask this question, but I assume, well, I drink deuterium depleted water, mm-hmm. and my supply is um, usually $100 a month, mm-hmm. but I don't drink as much water as um, doctors would recommend. I just drink water when I'm thirsty. Right, my right. food is my food is deuterium depleted. I eat only grass-fed, uh, ketogenic mm-hmm. like steaks and some bacon and some some um, clearly fatty like mm-hmm. low deuterium uh, food products. Uh, those are a little bit more costly. So I end up with spending on my budget for food monthly in about an eight hundred a thousand range, mm-hmm. simply because I eat. Just the best of the best of the grass-fed meal products that uh, are out there. Uh, But you can actually do this, uh, like for less of a money, um, if you compromise some of the very highest quality. It's really not necessary, or not absolutely necessary, the way I do this. Mm -hmm. So I would say any person can deplete deuterium reliably, combining food and water. In the range of like four to like six hundred dollars the most a month, mm-hmm. um, 
I think uh, it can be fitting to anybody's uh, more like food budget. I think that's reasonable because I spend that much and I'm vegan, but I eat organic, mm-hmm. non-GMO foods, mm-hmm. and I eat a lot of fruit and vegetables and a mm-hmm. little bit of grain and some nuts. Mm-hmm. I spend that much mm-hmm. because I want what is going to be most helpful, you know, mm-hmm. so the organic is a must for me. And... Uh, Mm-hmm. And it runs me. And then I have water delivered. I'm going to probably mm-hmm. put in a whole house system, which will make it mm-hmm. much easier. But right now I'm having the water delivered. And uh, mm-hmm. so it runs me more because I won't drink the tap water. So it runs. Right. So I think that the price sounds very reasonable. Then Maybe you are already drinking somewhat the TMDP water and with uh, organic food and mm-hmm. uh, vegan, vegan approach, uh, you are eating, instead of animal fat, you're eating plant fat and fine right, chemicals. Right. And those mm-hmm. are just as good as animal fat of depleting deuterium, and obviously they have to be organic to mm-hmm. accomplish that. Now, I do go off a little bit with supplements because I do take omega-3s which I think are very important in any diet, and especially a vegan diet. I also, at times, will take some fish oils, and so I do get a little bit, but I avoid dairy, as I say. I don't drink milk. I drink almond milk or coconut milk. I miss the most of all, I think I miss cheese, because I grew up in the dairy county of New York State, and we always had fresh cheese. And I miss that the most, I think, on the vegan diet. But occasionally I'll drop off for a meal and, you know, that kind of then satisfies me for a while. And I don't eat a lot of carbohydrate. I keep that very low. And I think because I was pre-diabetic and now I'm back to, you know, normal. So you have to watch and when you hit 86 or thereabout, you kind of have to watch what you eat if you want to continue without major health issues, I think. then After all, that's the goal. Right. That's right. Yep, right. Because once you start having health issues and start treating those, then you're on your way downhill. But I think as long as one can eat properly, they um, have faith, they're optimistic, they drink the right fluids and that life can be healthy into older age without all of the problems that the majority of Americans have. But they don't eat. Most Americans don't eat properly and it's hard to change those patterns. Then why does the Center for Deuterum Depletion use Preventa Deuterum Depletion Water in its protocols? Because it's a pharmaceutical grade, the most precisely produced uh, deuterium depleted water um, that is controlled by a very strict uh, quality um, uh, and, and measuring process of how deuterium and how efficiently deuterium de- is depleted in water. De- those are also in the preventive and therapeutic range, mm-hmm. uh, depending on how low deuterium content is in the water and it's posted on the water so you can actually make sure that and you you can be certain that it's it's what you're paying for as far as deuterium content goes and um since uh, this has been approved the production of 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 uh of this type of water is has been approved by the european pharmaceutical agencies um it, it is actually a very um, highly controlled and very high quality product that there's no other like that on the market as far as we know. Mm-hmm. So uh, we, since we care for the patients, we care for the medical clinics that take care of patients and take care of medical issues, we want to use the most reliable source and the most reliable methods of depleting deuterium. And this is we think is very critical for the success of the team depletion and for the success of, of, of the field for the benefit of patients and as far as preventive measures goes, uh, measures go uh, for the benefit of, of the general public. Mm-hmm. Another question that just popped into my mind, and that is, 
Does this protocol influence the acidic alkaline balance in the body? Because there's a lot of people that think that you have to be very alkaline and that you shouldn't be very acidic and that you should eat the majority of food that are alkaline producing. I think it's like 80%, 20%. And it would seem like that with the meats and the bacons and things like that, that it would tend to move toward acidic. But I don't know how much that influences the acid alkaline. Yeah, I don't really believe in, and I'm very frank with you, mm-hmm. I don't follow mm-hmm. many mm-hmm. advice mm-hmm. into because they are pretty much useless. Mm-hmm. If you just consider the last 20 years of medical advice and looking at the population statistics of obesity, cancer, and, and diabetes, uh, you probably don't want to take too many of those, especially when it comes from uh, certain me- media types or mm-hmm. when it comes from uh, non-established biochemically, not really uh, very sophisticated sources. Um, our body uh, in our systems, our blood, uh, to that matter, our blood has a very robust and very um, high-capacity methods of regulating your pH mm-hmm. or or acidity, if 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 you if you will. Um, so it's really it's it's very hard to control your uh, alkaline environment through food and and water. Simply because your body has a number of ways of adjusting uh, its own pH, and I don't think pH is as important. Mm-hmm. or that big of a matter as deuterium depletion is mm-hmm. and uh simply because um sometimes they, they just they just try to pick something that sounds good really without much context um i don't think alkaline um ph is is that critical mm-hmm. or as important as depleting deuterium whatever the uh overall ph and the regulatory mechanisms will be after depleting deuterium and we don't really uh, measure pH just for that purpose, and we don't really incorporate this type of uh, recommendation or thinking in our dietary um, protocols simply because the body regulates its, its own mm-hmm. alkaline or acidic uh, potential uh, using uh, very sophisticated biochemical systems and reactions, and we believe that the tomb depletion interferes with this or deuterium depletion helps regulating pH uh, in the right manner. Good. That's kind of what I have always thought, but, you know, there are those on the other side that think even to the point of buying machines that will regulate the alkalinity of your water, and I think that that it is asking for trouble because you're trying to go against what the body does automatically with its systems when you're trying to push it in a direction that is not normal for the body systems. So I would, and you're right, I, I would think that some of those marketing mm-hmm. efforts would make recommendations um, uh, to sell certain products uh, and claim medical benefits. I don't believe in them. Right, I don't right. use them. I don't recommend them, but that's my own personal Right approach to those. We do publish papers in peer-reviewed medical literature. If if that type of proof is available, I'm willing to to consider those. But I haven't seen those mm-hmm. yet, so right. I just kind of leave them out from my right, own right. Rec- set of recommendations. Now, as doc- a biochemist. Mm-hmm. Now, Dr. Boris, are there other things that you're doing in your cancer research? that would be important for cancer patients that may be listening to know about? Well, um, current um, marketing and current, like, advertising advertising, um, agencies uh, and efforts emphasize genetic testing. We don't consider that very critical, Mm -hmm. even very important. If you look at the last few years of medical literature, uh, most of the gene-based health uh, approaches are failing, um, and also it just there was just a very recent paper in Nature. It, it's genetic testing or polygenic risk scores are not even useful um, as a screening test, mm-hmm. and so there's 
I, I would kind of rewire and I would reintroduce biochemistry, basic biochemistry in schools. I would require more knowledge, especially the role of hydrogen and deuterium in energy production and health. Mm -hmm. And that type of knowledge needs to be more broadly available in the medical literature and in the public's awareness of health and disease. And um, I, I think in general, my teaching and my work at UCLA and my work at academic publishing and reviewing, and uh, I work as an editor for medicine, oncology. Mm -hmm. I do work uh, as editor of Pancre Pancreas, which is a... Um, very uh, prominent and very respected uh, journal in 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 pancre pancreatic diseases and pancreatic cancer. Mm -hmm. um, I, I I do um, review and and I do focus on biochemistry. And I, I always look for strong claims um, designed around biochemical um, understanding of disease and therapies. And I really ignore most of the molecular biology or gen gen geneticist claims mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. as their path is clearly shown a a complete failure. Then, Dr. Boris, would you tell us about your product and services and if you have book and how the listeners can locate? I know you mentioned the kit and and if you have any resources that would be useful, like if you have a list of doctors that they might consult if they wanted to follow this protocol, if you have that list somewhere, they could link to it. Of course. If you go to our website, which is uh, ddcenters.com, we have literature available. Uh, we have a um, web page for doctors and professionals. Uh, we have the same for patients and the lay public. Uh, we have visual aids. Um, we have talks that I have presented and my colleagues presented. Um, we have um, radio shows uh, just like this one. And we have um, uh, medical literature in the public domain and some writings and blogs that we find helpful for patients and use peer-reviewed medical literature. We have, uh, and we work together with agencies and, and companies who, who um, use uh, red light to even enhance the effect of deuterium depletion and deuterium-depleting depleting diets. We have many interconnected and interrelated uh, resources, uh, testimonials, and um, um, uh, patients' reports who benefited one way or another, either for preventive um, or for therapeutic um, efficacy and approaches uh, related to their health. In fact, myself, I had a, I lost a, uh, an identical twin to oh, cancer, okay. and oh. I was also diagnosed with a precancerous condition a few months after he passed away, mm -hmm. and that was 12 years ago, and ever since, almost 13 years ago, and ever since I've been on a deuterium-depleting diet, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and that worked out very well for right. me and also for my mom, mm -hmm. who was diagnosed with kidney cancer. So we do... Um, um, use these protocols for our own benefits and for our own health and our own well-being, and we can recommend reviewing this type of material for others, uh, including doctors and patients and relatives, whoever have to deal with uh, disease or just, you know, prevent mm -hmm. diseases or just get better and feel better and be more in energetic using their mitochondrial nanomotors more efficiently in a deuterium-depleted um, environment. And mm -hmm. we believe that this would help many people who visit our site. Great. Well, I appreciate this so much, and it's very interesting, and it's cutting edge. I mentioned to a few people, and they said, oh, I've never heard of that. And these are people that have Facebook pages and all that are devoted to cancer, and they hadn't heard of it before. So it's pretty cutting edge, at least among the people that I know. And so I'm delighted to have the opportunity to ask you about it and to find out about it and to share this with the listeners. So I thank you so much. I also would like to thank you and the listeners of uh, listening to this. Uh, and we agree, very important information. And, and if we can help in any way, we are always there. Great. Good. Thank you. In the time left today, I would like to tell you 
about my latest book on preventing cancer, which is available at Barnes & Noble, Amazon, and other bookstores, as well as on my cancer website, Holistic Cancer Foundation. The book titled Reducing Your Cancer Risk, A Holistic Approach, uses a public health model for the framework. In general, the framework postulates that there are multiple factors that lead to health or disease processes in our lives, and these include host factors, environmental factors, and agent disability factors. In order for disease to occur, there must be a strong disease or disabling agent, a weak host, and a favorable environment that brings them together. It is possible to intervene at various points in this process to prevent disease or move us toward a healthy phase. We focus on the period before the disease agent interacts with the host, and our interventions are directed towards strengthening the host, reducing the virulence of the agent, and making the environment less favorable for future interactions. Things one can do to reduce the impact of the environment and agent include working with electromagnetic frequency waves, ultraviolet waves, carcinogenic chemicals, and carcinogenic metals in the environment. Research on how these affect humans and ways to eliminate or reduce their effect are presented. For example, bisphenol A or BPA is an endocrine disruptor and may cause cancer of the breast and prostate. It is found in plastic water bottles, canned food lining, eating and cooking utensils, among other sources. During the summer months, when water bottles are transported in unrefrigerated trucks, the heat causes the BPA to leach into the water that you later drink. There are also things you can do to become more resistant. These include physical interventions, proper nutrition and fluids, physical activities, vitamins, minerals, herbs, and supplements, immune builders, smoking cessation, and use of sound or music. For example, research shows that eating proper nutrition reduces your cancer risk by 35%, And exercising 30 minutes a day for five days a week reduces it by 50%. Research also shows a strong body-mind-spirit interaction and the effects of mental-spiritual factors on disease. Thus, one should pay attention to forgiveness, faith, prayer, optimism, being positive, helping others, affirmations, and other activities. Research on the effect of physical, mental, spiritual behaviors and health illness are discussed in the book and what you can do with these behaviors to make the body more resistant. For example, about 50% of cancer patients have a forgiveness problem and failing to deal with this leads to chronic anxiety and a depletion of killer cells that protect against disease. Ways to deal with forgiveness problems are presented. In addition, links to interviews with over 75 experts on the topics discussed in the book are included. I thank you for joining me this week, and I hope some of the information was useful. I am Dr. Carl O'Helvey, your host. <music>